Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be doing a deep dive into how to create a positive relationship with your home and give it all the tools it needs to partner you in creating the life you desire. For most of us, our experience of our living space includes three parts, finding it, affording it, and fitting into it. Few of us have the resources or opportunities to create a house or a living space from scratch, so we search for one which is already existing in the area we wish to live with the price we can hopefully afford. This can be a shared living space, an apartment or condo, duplex, or freestanding house. We then work to fit ourselves into that space. Often, this is perceived somewhat like an art project, where the rooms and exterior spaces are seen as a blank canvas for us to create on, or sometimes as a found object, which can be converted into something else. Rooms are painted, updated, furnished, and decorated in order to transform the space into something which is ours and reflects us. Often we reach a bit of compromise, so the space supports us as best it can, and we work around the odd, quirky, not-quite-right bits. What we don't recognize, or even taught to ignore, is houses, apartment buildings, and condos are beings in and of themselves. They have their own soul, their own suchness, and so any time we move into one, we're actually entering into a relationship. This is in part why someone can look at a row of entirely identical houses but find one of them is just right, while all the others are cold and impersonal. The others aren't interested, but one of them very much is and literally opens its heart. Because we don't think of our living in a home as relational, we don't communicate with the building or space. Think of this like dating someone, but never telling them any of your plans, what you like or don't like, or even have a one-on-one discussion about anything. They have to guess what your intentions are about absolutely everything from your actions, as well as what they overhear from your conversations with others. This would make being with you like a never-ending game of charades. Their guesses may be right, which we categorize as synchronicity, and others are often wrong, which can seem like our personal obstacles and possibly lessons. In order to change this, one of the first and best things we can do is to begin communicating. Just as we communicate with each other, with our pets, with our plants and the grounds around our home, with our guides and teachers and totems, so we can talk with our homes. We can create an active, participatory relationship with our homes in order to make our lives a co-creative experience. If we listen to what our homes are telling us, really listen. If we express not only our needs and our wants, our opinions and our disappointments, but also our admiration, thankfulness, and desire for communication and relationship, our homes will respond. They can act proactively to make our life better or to propel us into a life which is what we need. They can mirror for us what we have refused to see and help us to live authentically. Communicating with your home is something you can do at any time. Find a clear space to sit on the floor or on a chair if you can't get to the floor. 
Sometimes it's nice to do this in the center of the house or in the space most frequented by you in the house, such as the kitchen or the bedroom. Get quiet and just listen and feel. Homes, like stones, speak in images and feelings. Many times they speak through urges. They can't move things, but we can get an urge to go and clean something, move something, change something. This is usually communication from the house, not some wild hair, which means we're bored or trying to avoid the process. Get quiet, just like you would if you were having an intimate conversation with a friend or lover. Listen actively. Open your heart and feel. Does the house feel good to you? If not, why not? Don't let the mind interfere with thoughts of money and can'ts and shoulds and have-tos. Listen actively to what is being expressed. Feel the home. What is it communicating to you? What action is it asking of you? Sometimes the smallest changes can have the biggest rewards, because in relationships, being heard is one of the most precious of gifts. Once you've begun to establish a relationship with your home, even if it's just one room in a shared housing arrangement, a tiny studio in a much larger building, or a grandmother apartment tucked out of the way, you can begin asking it to support you in what you need. When working with my students and clients, I recommend they start by asking their home to become a safe, nurturing, sacred space they need so they can heal, unfold, and feel supported in their lives. This doesn't mean the space will become self-cleaning or stop needing regular maintenance, but it does give them permission to stop being a dependent or one more thing on your to-do list. It asks them to step up and become an ally not only in your personal life, but in manifesting your best life. It helps to think of a home space as having layers of energy and energetic boundaries, just as we do. Each of us has an outer layer of energy or aura, which we sense as personal space. It's a boundary which not only tells us when people are too close, but allows us to safely receive information from them which alerts us to their intentions and tries to give us time in order to react by moving in or moving away. We also have a middle layer of energy, which I think of as the practical layer. This is where we're interacting with others in our environment consciously and are manifesting ourselves and our intentions into the world. Inside this is our third, or inner layer, our core, which we call akasha, prana, or chi. It runs through our chakras, emanates our essential self into the world, while simultaneously emanating the wisdom self we're becoming, via experience, back into the universe. A home or home space has these same three layers, and just as ours are permeable, allowing us to interact with the world and the world to interact with us in turn, so a home allows for the same breathing out and breathing in process. And just as we set and maintain boundaries, letting how we treat ourselves show others how to treat us, we can set these same type of boundaries and expectations with and for our home. When working with a home, I recommend starting from the center and working outwards. This means beginning with cleaning, smudging, and sealing. When it comes to cleaning, we all have our own emotional connection to it, modes of doing it, and levels of what is comfortable for us to achieve. Personally, 
I'm one of those people who don't enjoy doing it, but really appreciate when it's done. Unfortunately, I'm single, so unless I win the lottery, I have to gear up for the former so I can relax and enjoy the latter. Unfortunately, Western culture has imbued cleanliness with morality, and this has been exacerbated by a culture of merchandising for emotional well-being. So we can feel we're a bad person if we don't have a spotless home like every homeowner on HDTV. We can be subtly chastised for having too much stuff via the minimalism movement, learn to fetishize hoarders and their rehabilitation, and even use the name Marie Kondo as a verb to describe reorganizing. However, one of the benefits of Marie Kondo's method emerging into general awareness is her promoting an understanding of cleaning and clearing as an energetic process. She asks that we tap books to wake them up, thank each item before we rehome it, and seek to support each piece of our home and our lives to be its best self. What this points out is cleaning your toilets and floors isn't just about removing gunk, it's also putting energy in. This is why you can feel the difference between a house which has been cleaned by its inhabitant and one which has been cleaned by someone else hired to do so. When we clean our space, we're interacting with it, relating to it, giving back for all it has given and is giving to us. So before we ask our home to do something new, it's a good idea to go through and give of ourselves through cleaning. This doesn't need to be a deep clean through every closet and cupboard, although if that feels right to you, go for it. It can be just an additional dusting along the baseboards, wiping down the fingerprints and smudges you mostly ignore on doorknobs, door frames, and light switches, or checking those hard-to-reach corners to make sure they get a quick swipe. Whatever you feel called to do, wake up the home and your relationship to it by doing a bit of cleaning to start. Once you've done this, it's time to start moving the energy actively. For most homes, I recommend starting with drumming. Any drum will do, although I recommend one which has a lower note and feels connected to heartbeat and bones rather than dancing. Drums break up stagnant or stuck energy which is gathered in the floor and in the structure of the building. For each room, you can either set up in the center and drum until you feel the energy of the walls, ceiling, and floor loosen, or you can drum wandering clockwise around the room. After the space has been drummed, you'll want to smudge. There are two different substances I recommend for smudging, sage or copal. While some people, myself included, sometimes use incense for smudging, incense isn't meant to cleanse things but instead to infuse a space with a specific type of energy. So it's great for use after a cleaning and clearing process, but not as a substitute for the cleansing benefits of sage. To smudge your home, start at the door, front or back, whichever you prefer, and begin wafting your sage through the room clockwise. I recommend using a feather or fan of some kind for this. While casual smudging can be done using your hand, The hands have chakras, which take in as much energy as they put out. This means while you're cleansing things, you're also putting yourself elbow deep into the old energy and ick you're cleaning out, and some of it is getting sucked into you. Blech. Using a fan or a feather keeps your chakras out of the majority of it, and these tools can be easily cleansed afterwards as necessary. Waft the smoke clockwise around each room or space and 
clockwise throughout the home until you arrive back at the door. This means wafting it into corners, along the floors, towards the ceiling, under furniture. You don't need to lift it or move it if you don't want to, but see if you can get some to float under and around it, and even into cabinets if you can. Once you're at the door, open it and sweep all this energy and detritus out the door, letting the winds and the weather disperse and transform it. If you want to super-duper antiseptic clean your home within an inch of its life, I recommend using copal instead of sage. You use it the same way, but be very sparing with the amount. A tiny dab will do you as copal has some very strong scent, is a powerful energy cleanser, and will fill a space rather quickly with just a couple of pieces burnt. Once the home has been cleaned and smudged, you can set your first permeable boundary to help it stay that way. For each external door and window, you'll want to get a glass jar or container of some kind. It needs to be glass, not metal or plastic, and have a lid. The lid can be metal, like you'd find with baby food or small pickle jars. You'll fill these three-quarter full with either rice or sand. I recommend using sand, as rice can collect moisture and therefore needs to be monitored fairly regularly. No one needs a moldy boundary. If you don't have easy access to sand in your area, you can get it from Home Depot or Lowe's or even Amazon. Through Amazon, it even comes in a variety of fun colors. Once the jars are filled and you have the caps on securely, start at the door. If this is an external door to a home, condo, or apartment, you can set the jar outside next to the door on the hinge side right up against the wall. If you have a shared space in a home, you can put this on the inside of your room's door on the hinge side against the wall. Then move around the space clockwise, putting jars in each of the windowsills on the inside until you reach the door again. Touch the jar at the door to complete the circuit. If there are multiple external doors, do the same as you did with the first door, placing the jar on the outside next to the hinges against the wall. This creates a permeable boundary where anything you're personally working through, releasing, or no longer need can leave the house, but things which are negative, not in your best interest, or need to be processed, can't get in unless you bring them in yourself. Think of it like your car's air filter, straining out the impurities and mess so you can breathe comfortably. Practically, this boundary can help reduce negative interactions with noisy or negative neighbors, reduce the likelihood of family stopping by to drop drama on you, and even push back on door-to-door sales calls and pollsters. Once all this is done, you'll find your home is more relaxing, but also more energized and energizing. In general, it'll feel a whole lot more like you and for you. The next layer, like within ourselves, is practical. Think of it like enlisting your home to be part of your creative process or bringing aspects of your Akashic room here into the physical world. You can bless your home as a sacred and nurturing space via your spirituality of choice. Native Americans often do so by setting up an energetic medicine wheel of some kind in the space. We invite the four directions to inhabit a small bit of cloth put up at the ceiling line in the appropriate direction and moving clockwise through the home to place them all. Or, more elaborately, 
We can have representations of the four directions totems and energies on or against their respective wall. Buddhists have similar practices and often put prayers into the small claws before pinning them up. Wiccans sometimes put altars in each of the directions or altars to various deities in various rooms. All variety of spiritualities utilize altars to bring the spiritual into daily life, from the family altars of South America to the personal home altars of Hinduism. Those working in the Akashics can build altars which bring the symbol and objects of manifestation projects in the Akashics into their physical life, which amplifies the manifestation energy and deepens the work and personal knowing about what is in progress and what we're meant to learn from it. Homes can be a place where we allow ourselves to unfold, give ourselves permission to live our dreams rather than just imagine them, and explore what is possible. We can support ourselves through colors, textures, scents, images, foods, and so much more. Engaging our home gives it permission to support us in a myriad of ways, many of which we would never think possible, not just in feeling safe, supported, and cared for, but in setting things in a positive direction and opening up possibilities. The outer or aura layer of energy for a home is something we rarely consider as connected to the building, the land on which it sits. For condos or apartments, this is usually the area between the front sidewalk or parking area and the rear patio or green space. Unless you're on a corner lot, it rarely takes in the sides which are shared walks. For those who rent or own a home, it's the property associated with that home, so the land which is within the property lines. This also applies to those who are renting a room in a home or freestanding building. Like our aura extends beyond our skin several inches, the outer energy layer of a home extends out, creating a sphere around the building. Once a home is clean and while you're engaging with it to work on manifestation projects, the outer layer boundary can be set. This is very simply done with the help of four large rocks. They should be fairly solid, like river rocks, and should be around the size of a human head, although they can be larger if you prefer. Anything smaller will struggle to keep a firm boundary in this situation and can be too easily moved. If the property is somewhat in alignment with the cardinal directions, it's handy to place the stones there. If not, then it's best to place the stones so they align with the front, back, and sides of the building and ignore how they're facing in relation to anything else. Moving clockwise, start either with the east, if you're working with directions, or the front of the building, if not, and place the first stone on the inside edge of the property line. While doing so, ask the stone if it's willing to help you create a spherical protective boundary which will keep negative things out and let positive blessings in. When you feel its agreement, either by the stone heating up or your internal knowing, pat the stone in acknowledgement and move to the right in order to place the next stone. Follow the same procedure to place the remaining three stones, then come back to the first stone and pat it to complete the circuit. For those in condos or apartments, you can place the first stone in front, then go to the front right side of your unit and place the stone against the foundation of the building there. Do the same at the back, placing the back door stone first, then moving to the sidewall and placing the last stone against the foundation. 
This creates a diamond shape rather than a sphere, but it will work just as well. With these simple practices, you will have started an ally relationship with your home, which will allow it to support you in creating and fully enjoying your best life. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can sign up for my Akashic Book Club, where we read books on all aspects of the Akashics, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Terry Utena. Thanks. Bye.